evening, everyone, because it is evening here, and welcome to The Birds and the Lees, yeah. where we like to sit down and have a chat with each other. My name's Nathan, and I'm here with Kim. Kim, how you doing? I'm good. You know, we are just a couple of uh, married folks just chatting about life, right? <laughs> You're sounding super commercially tonight. <laughs> I don't know why. Let's... Do you have a pitch? Do I have a do I have yeah. a sales pitch now? Yeah. Okay. I was trying to I was trying to come out like excited. I mean, it's not that I'm not excited. I was, I was just trying something different and Okay. Well, you know, here we are, friends. My, <laughs> here it's a we, Wednesday night. It's a Wednesday night. <laughs> well, we've also been doing some demo because yeah. uh, we're going to replace the shelves in our pantry closet, so I was taking a hammer to it earlier. Um, can I say that we've done that about 10 years later than we should have? That yeah, was disgusting. Yeah, judging what was on the bottom of the shelf yeah. that we, we waited too long on that. Oh. It looked like, I'm, I'm assuming what that was, was Dr. Pepper that blew up on the bottom of the... So it was there when we moved in. Oh, gross. And I was like, I will I clean the floor? And I was like, oh, we'll just do this next year. 10 years well, later. Is it 10 or 12? It's 11. It's too long. No, it's almost 12 years. <laughs> oh, wow. We've been living in this house longer than anywhere else we've ever lived. Yes. If we hit uh, 18 or 19. Well, we're 19 years married this year. Right. But living here, if we live here 19 years, it'll be the longest house I've ever lived oh, in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I turned 50 this year. And then when I turned 51, we will have been married 20 years. Yeah. Okay, so, mm-hmm. yeah, we got a year and a half more until... So, that was a side rant, but sorry about that. Well, no, I mean, this is what, you know, <laughs> That's people true. relate to this. You That's know, true. everybody's got a dirty, yeah. gross uh, gross pantry. Pantry at some point. And I'm sure everybody else owns a, a black light flashlight to find out where the dog peed on the carpet. Oh, it's real gross. Yeah, don't ever do that. Don't ever go into your kid's bathroom. To be fair, most of it, most of the gross things I've found, though, are not the dog. Yeah, the grossest things are our children. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll just leave it at that. Yeah, we're gonna. You can probably imagine what goes on in a guest bathroom. Yeah, with, uh, at night when a kid can't see while he's peeing. But now that we have proof, it's it'll so be clean gross. next time you come over. Yeah, yeah. Though I did like tonight. Uh, this was funny. Uh, I'm not gonna say which child, but one child was uh, questioned on the condition of their room, and you know you always have to give those ultimatums <laughs> in life. And what I loved was the protest of i'm not going to eat unless yeah. unless you stop threatening to take the stuff away out of my room because it's messy and you know what to be fair he was not yelling i was not gonna give it away who it was sorry <laughs> they they were not yelling or mad no they were just uh, just refusing to eat it was it was very much a fight the power kind of moment yeah. that was uh anyway so that was our night. Hopefully your night was just a tiny bit different than ours. It wasn't a bad night. but I hope everyone else is snuggled in their jammies, watching their favorite show, and enjoying a nice cup of tea. Yeah, that would be a good one for you. Yeah. Yeah. Enjoy your night. Yeah. How about that? Well, tonight we are actually going to talk about... Uh, we, we were coming up with topics and we thought, oh, we should talk about this one particular thing because, you know, it was, it was a big deal. It's surprisingly yeah. a big deal in our family because... Uh, our daughter got really invested in it, and uh, mm-hmm. to a degree, our son did. But it started on a road trip back uh, do from you, Colorado. Do you remember how we heard about it? I heard about it. Okay, so you heard about it, and then we were just like, "We're just going to listen to one on yeah. the way back and see how we feel." And about then we it. got into it, and so you might, uh, you maybe you are, maybe you've already figured it out. But we're talking about this podcast that came out a couple of years ago called "The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill." Yeah. 
Um, and if you don't know the story behind Mars Hill, Mars Hill uh, was a church in the, was it Portland or Seattle? It was Seattle. I believe it was Seattle. In the Seattle area that exploded in the early 2000s. Um, and uh, it's under the leadership of uh, a guy named Mark Driscoll. And Driscoll was a very polarizing character. Yes, it was Seattle. I always get Seattle and Portland mixed up. Uh, Driscoll is a very polarizing character um, within the evangelical circles. You've probably heard some stories about him, and uh, he was kind of a, I don't even know how to describe it. He was, he was an uber alpha male, like, and I don't mean that in the positive sense necessarily, but like that. that I, would, I would liken it to the feeling you get when you think about someone like Hitler. Really? You would yeah. go that far? Well, He's not, he hasn't killed anyone, Well, right? maybe like the charismatic, but, strong yes. leadership. Okay. Yes. Wow, uh-huh. Hitler's a strong, we're going to get letters. <laughs> we might actually get emails. I mean, what are they going to say? Right. You feel incorrectly? <laughs> well, you know, yeah. Like I said, he's a polarizing character, uh, a person, and uh, there's a lot that has been written about him. And to be fair, he shot himself in the foot on a lot of things. Um, I, I don't believe that... There weren't good things that came out, but essentially what it comes down to is this church sprung up in the mid nineties mm-hmm. to early two thousands was when yeah. it kind of hit its stride. And, uh, it was under the leadership of Mark Driscoll, who yeah. was a very charismatic speaker. Like he was, a, he was a kind of this edgy, you know, the people called him the cussing pastor, which yeah. it's debatable how many people called him that. Yeah. Uh, but he was kind of edgy and, you know, he spoke his mind and, you know, people, he told it how it was. And he had a real emphasis on, on men. That was one of his focal points was men, you know, manning up and taking care of your families. And, and there were recordings of him, you know, yelling and, and right. screaming at people. And uh, if I remember correctly, he, you know, he didn't really have a formal theological degree, uh, as I recall, when he started. Um, didn't he have like a something non-related? I think he had something non-related. He okay. was a working class family yeah. uh, in Seattle. Uh, you know, he grew up in, in a neighborhood, was well-known, and uh, got saved later in life and, mm-hmm. and jumped in leading this church and mm-hmm. ultimately became a very prominent figure. In fact, he was leading the Acts 29 network, if I remember correctly, the church mm-hmm. planning network. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was you know, heavily influenced by a lot of the new reformists, mm-hmm. those, those writers and theologians. And so um, if you say Mark Driscoll, you're going to get one of two reactions. Mm-hmm. You're going to get a very like, oh, that guy, or yeah. you're going to get a, probably most likely you're going to get a, yeah, you know what? I think he, he got a bad rap or, yeah. you know, people, are, you know, are, have a more positive. Um, but what we're talking about tonight really isn't about Mark Driscoll. No. It's about our reaction to listening to that podcast because uh, we, ha- you know, this was what bugged me. There's some, there's some controversy around the podcast because mm-hmm. it was put out by uh, Christianity Today. Yeah. And there are some who say that Christianity Today helped facilitate some of the negative things that happened by giving Mark Driscoll a platform uh, to speak within their magazine. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the things where we talk about the negatives that happened were things that would be uh, categorized by a lot of people as spiritual abuse by a pastor, mm-hmm. you know, with the staff. There were there were relationships where he was, he was a tyrant on staff. People mm-hmm. got fired uh, for really ridiculous reasons. People got fired for reasons that uh, were called uh, heretical because they dared question the pastor. Mm-hmm. Or uh, he seemed to, in a lot of his sermons, have this very bizarre 
uh, fixation with his sex life and bringing that mm-hmm. into the sermons. And, you know, there was a time uh, that, you know, all of us who uh, were in the 2000s in kind of this, uh, I don't even know if it was an overreaction to try to say, hey, you know what, Christians like sex. Mm-hmm. We would say things like, hey, my wife's super hot and I can't keep my hands off of her. And, you know, it was a dumb thing that we did in public. It, it wasn't appropriate, but right. like he kind of took it next level stuff mm-hmm. you know the things he said and ultimately one of the biggest controversies was uh he was under an assumed name on a uh, on a chat board or a message board that was yeah. affiliated with the church and he said some strikingly uh uh bitter and angry yeah. statements about america cult, american culture and calling out men for being weak, and and, mm-hmm. and generally, I want to keep the show clean. Some of the stuff he right. said was was right. it was it was over the line. Yeah, um, you know, and I'm not here to debate whether the uh, Kim and I are not here to debate whether the podcast itself was right. fair. Yeah, whether it was it went far enough. You know, I mean his his attitudes towards women could be abhorrent at times. Yeah, uh, his staff members. Um, he had a staff member who was fired because she dared uh, uh, say that he she wished they had more guys around him who would actually like, speak up to him keep and him question some of his decisions or yeah. keep him accountable. And he she was fired for questioning the pastor, mm-hmm. which is completely wrong. Yeah. Um, she wasn't being uh, a rogue agent. She wasn't being belligerent. She was she was doing what you would hope uh, a, a brother and sister in Christ would do, want mm-hmm. to see you held accountable. So, um, you know, there was a lot while we were listening to this. And the reason why we thought, oh, let, you know, we'll talk about this is, um, you know, there's a lot of history for us kind of wrapped up in the stories we heard in mm-hmm. that podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and Kim, feel free to jump in anytime. But uh, you know, so so I beyond how it is how I associated with it, I think one of the really fun aspects was how this all came to be in the car. Well, yeah, that so, was that was really fascinating for us, and and you wouldn't think it would be something your sixteen year old would listen to. Well, or, she was fifteen at the or time, or even ten year old. Uh, yeah, who would have been ten at the time? Yeah. So we're driving in the car, we're listening to this podcast, and you know how kids are. Like, you think they're on their iPads, and all of a sudden they're having, a, they're listening to your conversation that you're having about your neighbor who you don't like or whatever. And we're listening to this podcast, and I truly am thinking. The kids aren't listening because it's not interesting to them. Well, and, and, and some of it we were like, okay, some of this stuff is pretty strong. Right. And so we're, we're, there was a little bit of a concern of like, okay, are they going to say stuff on well, here that like... And going back to my statement, there was a lot of recordings of him speaking. Yeah, there were. And, and some of them he were. is a very strong speaker, much like Hitler. Now, l- let me be clear. I'm only saying that as far as take out after you know if you watch Hitler's role and how he went through it was a mastermind of being able to bring people into his leadership he was able to manipulate people yeah yeah yeah. and there was a lot of that that was happening in the way he spoke Mm -hmm. and in the way he conducted himself well there is a yeah there's there's the argument of kind of megalomania of mm -hmm. uh you know this vision uh that he had and, and and so that yeah. being said, I assumed the kids wouldn't listen because he's screaming a lot. His even the things he's talking about don't really relate. He's talking about adultery or he's talking about, you know, um, 
how women should stay at home or whatever his sermon was they were talking about on the podcast. So I was thinking they aren't listening. And after two or three that we listened to in a row, because it's a real long drive from Colorado and back. And all of a sudden, the kids are highly invested. Yeah, we found out like we would turn one (laughs) off like, oh, let's do the next one. Or Jessica would have major questions yeah. about why what he said was inaccurate. Yeah. Like, why would... Yeah. Yeah. Like, hey, wait a minute. That doesn't sound right. Why right. would somebody say that? And, right. you know, she's a kid who's grown up in a pastoral family. I mm-hmm. mean, she's always known full-time ministry. She's seen many uh, good examples of pastors mm-hmm. and loving pastors at yep. the churches we've been at. So this was definitely a, a like, whoa, you know, hit the brakes. Let's talk about yeah. this. This was, for me, that time in the car, those six hours or whatever, yeah, was a growing time for our family. Yeah, it'll, it opened a door for us to talk about some things, which we'll hit on in a minute. Um, but, uh, you know, when you have a personality like his, uh, to your point about the Hitler comparison, yeah, um, the person who's able to uh, uh, speak in a way that rallies people to yeah. uh, to their cause, right? But uh, maybe, uh, I mean, it can go good or bad, yeah, right? Well, pay, maybe keeping them from uh, seeing the negatives, right? Yeah. Um, you know, when you're, when you're energized by something, you're emotionally responsive to uh, someone who's talking or, or they're laying out a vision or they're laying out a plan or, you know, part of it is to get you riled up and bought in. And, Mm -hmm. and so there was that kind of like picture. I'm not, we're not saying that Mark Driscoll's Hitler. Not at all. No, we are but, saying that there is a methodology of rallying people mm-hmm. that applies to any person that you see throughout history who gets up on a stage and is able to bring a large group of people together yeah. to to you know stand behind them. You could for on, right or for wrong. On the opposite end of the spectrum, Billy Graham. Well, yeah, is yeah. a great example, and right? A positive because yeah. he's able to speak in a way that, yeah. And in fact, what's really yeah. interesting about Billy Graham is polar opposites of the approach sure. you know driscoll was a was a he's a yeller he's he's emotional um he he makes statements that i understand where he's coming from he's trying to use uh stronger examples in language to kind of drive that point home there's a shock value to sure. it almost like a shock jock yeah which was popular Right at the time when he was at his peak and, and at his most prominent in uh he wasn't the only one Right. He was. It was right. very prom. It was very popular to say things to kind of shock people into listening. So, yeah. anyway, that that that's really yeah. This is where it started. It started a great family discussion um, because our kids have grown up with uh, kind of. I don't know if I want to call it shadow, but but there's this lingering experience for us that Jess was really young mm-hmm. to kind of fully comprehend, and Garrett was just a baby, <laughs> so he has no clue. But there was a there was the the whole experience of us uh, moving to a church, mm-hmm. being there for a short period of time, and then being asked to leave. Um, which, but before I go any further, I, I want to be very clear that this is something we've processed over 12 years. Yeah. This isn't a bitterness. This is just a, there were some things that popped up in this podcast that we filed away as these are the things we need to look for. Mm-hmm. You know, these are the things that need to be at the, the forefront of our mind because there were things that were short stories that were shared or anecdotes that 
it was interesting because we would be driving and I would look at Kim and I would go, I've heard somebody say that before. Yeah. Um, word I, for word, word for word. I've sat in rooms, mm-hmm. pastoral meetings or staff meetings and heard those things and, mm-hmm. you know, heard the same kind of uh, critiques of people um, and the same kind of, uh, you know, uh, what what I call, you know, well, what somebody's once described me as the genius with a thousand assistants, this this ministry that's mm-hmm. built around one person, yeah, which is what very much what he was. And, and he went to the extreme mm. of seeing himself being yeah. the one who sustained the ministry ultimately. And that was, I believe, ultimately his, his, his Demise, downfall yeah. of that church. Um, but as you were listening, you know, I'm saying these things, but there's also kind of, I can tell there are these gut reactions coming from you as, as we're listening. Absolutely. Um, so just for, just for a little bit more detail, like I said, we were let go from a church. Um, after three years, we were out of state from our home. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we moved yeah. back, uh, and that led to a time of, uh, I will be honest, some bitterness on my part, which I could have worked through, I believe, a little bit better, but mm-hmm. understandable that you would be uh, uh, hurt by that. Um, and a lot of questioning, like Mm -hmm. what's going on within God's church Mm -hmm. that would cause people to, to do these kinds of things. So that's kind of where I was. And that's where this podcast kind of highlighted that for me, that it wasn't a unique experience. Yeah. It was kind of a great reprieve, right? I mean, we've, we've been processing for 10 years at the time. Um, all of these strange coincidences or happenings not coincidences happenings that evolved as you got let go Mm -hmm. and a lot of it kind of was awkward odd for us because we both grew up and went to many healthy churches I mean I went to three before I even met you you went to two three before you met me yeah and for to even the words that were used Mm -hmm. These, the scenario of how you were let go was so odd that coming from healthy churches, you kind of look around and <laughs> after the dust settles and think, what just happened? Yeah. And, and yeah, so there was, and I don't know how far we want to get it because, you know, I got a million stories from this spinning in my head. Right. Um, but maybe, you know, for me, the big, big view was seeing, hearing this story and, you know, trying to really see... Um, that there are a lot of people who've, you know, they villainized Mark Driscoll as kind of this, you know, mustache twirling bad guy, like you see in the movies, sure. like yeah. that he just set out to ruin people. And I don't believe that's the case. I, I believe that this is a guy who sincerely wants to do God's work, um, but falls into the trap that I think I experienced at, you know, multiple times and in some, mm-hmm. in some places, uh, not just one. Of you have a situation where that that position, yeah, that that power, that uh, uh, for lack of a better word, ego stroke that comes mm-hmm. from being the name, yep, um, that kind of narrows your focus um, to be about uh, what you can, and this is going to sound weird, what you what your church can be. Versus what your church yeah. is doing now and where it's where it's planted to serve, and right. I don't think there's any, there's nothing wrong with vision, right? right. I want to be there's nothing wrong with vision, but uh, I think sometimes ambition becomes mm. a double edged sword. Well, and I think, uh, yes, I think 
Mark Driscoll, if I had to guess, I've never met the man. I don't know him at all. But what I know is he does have a wonderfully charismatic personality. Yeah. Absolutely. I don't think many people would argue that. But man, a church that's growing fast, which is exactly what happened in that scenario, yeah. Yeah. creates a lot of opportunities for sin to creep in. Yeah. And, and you know, thinking back to some of the experiences that I had in, in that 10 or that three or four year process, looking back is it, it does, it did seem like we were in a situation where there was a church that uh, grew fast, mm-hmm. um, yep. became popular, yep. uh, was known and mm-hmm. had seen all this growth. And yep. it's, it's easy, I think to, uh, and I was trying to describe it on the way home. I was thinking, I was like, how would I describe both Mark Driscoll and the and the individuals I've had experiences with, without making it sound like they're just evil, evil men, which I don't, yeah. I don't think they are. No, they're not. Um, was, and I had a really hard time uh, really coming up with this, but it, w- it was very much a uh, solo leadership kind of hubris of, um, without me, this thing fails. Sure. In a way. I mean, there's definitely yeah. a, and in fact, Driscoll even said that at, at, at points, you know, he would kind of right. say without it saying it, it was kind of this like, I am Mars Hill kind of, you know. Right. Um, and, you know, I I remember sitting in, in meetings talking about, you know, hearing someone say my vision, my vision, my yeah. vision. And it was kind of like, okay, so what about the God's vision for this church, right? Yeah. I mean, we're a team working together. We're obviously here, but all we hear about is essentially what you see and what we should be doing mm-hmm. for you. Um, and I can remember sitting there as we're listening to this podcast, I'm just going, wow. Okay, so this isn't unique. Right. This isn't unique. These are the things. And at the same time, I'm going, okay, these are things that I have to make sure that I'm not doing. Yeah. Um, that I'm not. I'm not seeing, and I don't want to see this in myself. I need to mm-hmm. remember that, uh, you know, this isn't about, this isn't me sustaining it and, and that the people around me are of value because that was another thing that came up and that was something you latched onto was the treatment of people yeah. and their valuation by, by Driscoll and some of the other guys in leadership. Um, mm-hmm. and you got experience from that. You, you've got some some real heartbreaking experiences from that time in our life mm-hmm. of people uh, missing what it means to value somebody. Yeah, I mean, there was definitely carnage on the Mark Driscoll side of things, and I, I don't think he would argue that. I think anybody who's in a position to let people go knows that there's going to be um, <clears throat> some victims left behind, even that they don't talk to you, right? Husbands, wives. Whatever the scenario, any business owner knows In fact, that. he actually even said that at one point. He said yeah. that he sees the, you know, basically uh, he's on the bus with, uh, uh, with you know, Martell's a bus and we're leaving carnage behind us. I mean, he even says that yeah. with the people getting thrown off the bus because they're not where they need to be. Yeah. And that's got to be tough to see. Um, I think the problem is he had become callous to it, right? Yeah, Anybody yeah. that does that often enough, just it doesn't bother them. Of course, they're not the ones that are having to go through it. So, <laughs> yeah, and and you know you you, you know what it it's set up, and it, it's it's so hard to talk about this so far removed from our right. situation without sounding uh, like we're angry. Well, I mean, here's the thing: at the end of the day, I am thankful God did what He did. Yeah, He taught me. Oh my gosh, I wouldn't be where I'm at. 
and I wouldn't be the person I am in I, in ministry without that learning process and a, and a painful one. And I think of the whole conversation where we're that we've been having, it all comes to that that I don't wish we had gone through that in a million years how it panned out. There are other ways it could have been better, but where we are now is where we need to be. And God has placed, clearly God has placed us with our individual talents, Mm -hmm. our individual desires, our abilities to serve the church we're at. Yeah. And that took God, you know, working on our hearts Mm -hmm. to get to that point. Yeah. I think there's a huge lesson in, in just the, just the broadcast of this podcast. And when it came out was, it was real easy to jump on the bandwagon of pointing fingers at him. Right. And something that, you know, the guys doing, you know, hosting at Christianity today were, you can said, Hey, you know, um, we need to point a finger back at us for enabling it. Mm -hmm. But I think there's another finger that we need to make sure is pointing back at us is this, like I said, this isn't unusual. Right. This is, you know, we that was an extreme publicly visible right. meltdown of a church. But often we're in places, or we might actually be contributing to it, Yeah. where very similar situations are going on, and I think far more than we realize, mm-hmm. um, where uh, <clears throat> the mission is at the expense of people. Mm, and, that's a great way to say it. And that, uh, you know, w- mm-hmm. you know, the people that you work with, the people that you serve are, uh, they're, um, what's the word? Um, non-renewable resources in a way. Like, like you can easily yeah. uh, just use them up and cast them aside when they don't, they don't do you any good anymore. And, yep. you know, in a way that's kind of what it felt like for us mm-hmm. is, uh, now, granted, we're not saying there weren't issues. I'm not saying there weren't issues with me in that position. Sure. There were things that I, in hindsight, that I had to find were like, yeah, you know what? Wow. I really, I yeah. really dropped the ball on that. Yeah. But where it, where the parts that I hear in this podcast that really struck me were the idea that, okay, you know, oh, we're not seeing this, so you know what? You're useless to us. And that kind of like, right. yeah, let's just get rid of you because you're dead weight. Where instead of, hey, let's talk about what we could be doing. Because right. truthfully, I don't remember having a negative uh, per, uh, performance report and everything felt good and it seemed yeah. good. Um, and maybe that's, you know, maybe that's clouded hindsight. I don't know. But I think it does happen where suddenly... And I also know what happens because I have friends who've experienced it in ministry. Right. Where suddenly you don't fit the vision. Mm-hmm. So instead of having this conversation about what the vision is and, and maybe even going, yeah, you know what? I'm not there. You just kind of, it's like unloading, you know, it's it's like in a movie when the boat's sinking and they just start unloading everything to go faster, <laughs> right? Or you're in a race. Oh, we got to lighten mm-hmm. the boat because we got to mm-hmm. get ahead of everybody. So, oh, you're dead weight. Let me throw you off. Mm-hmm. You know, that's often what it feels like. And churches are notoriously bad for mm-hmm. that. Notoriously bad for that. Yep. And it's and it's tragic because you listen to these stories on this podcast. These are people who ran with him from the beginning. Yeah. He had very deep relationships with them for a long, long time. Yeah. Yeah. And when you couple that with an abrupt departure where mm-hmm. the person believes that you need to go because you're impeding them. Right. 
It's right. not that you're not doing the very best. It's just you are holding them back. Right. And and I've heard things like that in in meetings. I've heard mm-hmm. things like, "Hey, I feel like I'm I'm here, and you guys are all back here, and you're holding me back." Right. You know, mm-hmm. um, I literally heard those kinds of statements, and that raises your eyebrows of going, "Whoa, where? How did we get here?" Do you think that this podcast, the the Mars Hill podcast, is popular enough that it might help? some pastor that is brand new to the field not go through that experience yeah i think you know part of it is everybody likes a tabloidish kind of yeah you know everybody likes a a scandalous reality Mm -hmm. story and you know there's certainly scandalous parts of it yeah um and so i yeah i hope so um you know being such a polarizing character yeah individual it's hard to wonder if you know you have to put aside the oh my gosh i can't believe you know that jerk did that or whatever you got to put it aside and look at it from okay where do i do this Mm. you know uh wow i i know i can be just like him right you know there's that that to me is humility um and and looking at yourself and going, oh my gosh, I I can do that, but I don't have to do that. Right. I can learn from. I don't. I don't have to be that. I need. To, I need a recalibration. Yeah. And that's ultimately where it comes down to this: the truth about living by the Spirit. Right. The Spirit's the one who mm-hmm. uh, he's sitting there knocking on your head, going, "Hey, listen up." You know, you're and, and we can ignore that. Um, and and what's so fascinating to me is to think about this uh a success of a church can be an absolute effective tool of the enemy to bring you down because the success of a church he can play on your heart he can play on your ego he can play on whatever um and suddenly you've lost the focus of why this church is so big and we talk about we, we mentioned dysfunctional churches or or that doesn't necessarily mean they're unsuccessful. Yeah. Dysfunctional churches can be completely successful from an outside view, but what you're not seeing, to your point, is the carnage behind. Mm-hmm. You know, the disposable resources of people. Yeah. And, uh, you know, what's so great is we're in a place right now uh, where I believe fully they understand that a lot of people have experienced it. We, mm-hmm. we were at a church prior to that, which we'll talk about down the road yeah. where that healing process came from people who understood that because they'd all been through something similar. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was, and I remember somebody saying, you don't come to this church without your scars. Yeah. And that's good. It's mm-hmm. also bad because yeah. you obviously don't want a bunch of hurt people, um, was you know, it, what's the saying? Hurt people, hurt people. Yeah, like, all running the show. You mm-hmm. need some people in there who aren't and who yeah. are, have a positive. But you know, but it was a really great place. It was for us. great. I mean, it was exactly the place we needed to be. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like I said, it's easy to sit there and and blast Driscoll, and and I'll be honest, he he he's there are some things, some 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 DNA that's out there that I don't agree with. Yeah. DNA in, in churches that uh, I don't agree with. I don't believe they're uh, theologically sound. Uh, but there's a lot of things that people would say they don't believe are theologically, they don't agree theologically with me. Yeah. Um, 
And one, one though, is that's the great diversity of being a church. Mm-hmm. But the thing we have in common is we can't allow those things and that ambition to become, you know, we can't sit there and put as the end goal, we want to be, uh, you know, 5,000 people in this kind of church, and we want to be on the corner. What we want to be is we want to be the best church that serves the people in our immediate yeah. neighborhood and, and wherever else we're, we're, we find ourselves, right? Yeah. Uh, t- stay that local, like, exactly where people are. Mm-hmm. Um, and one, in fact, one of Driscoll's things was, uh, uh, this is crass, basically breeding out the people so that, uh, the, you know, everybody around the church is a Mars Hill family. Well, mm-hmm. okay, you want that. You want the people in your neighborhoods to know, to, 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 to experience salvation, to place their faith in Christ. But you don't want that approach of like, hey, we're just going to plant families here and have babies and eventually they'll all leave. Right. And, and I don't think that's what he was saying, meaning, but that's exactly what it sounded like. Yeah, there's a lot of assimilations you could draw with that that aren't healthy. There aren't yeah. many you could draw that are healthy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, oh, wow, that sounds really bad. Yeah. Um, but again, that comes back to what you have to maintain your focus is, is okay, this is what we're about. Yeah. Um, great. Uh, uh, you know, it's awesome to be big. It's awesome to have a mm-hmm. wide reach. But that's when you're... That's when you're uh, well, how do I say it? Your defenses in some way need to go up because that's when you're most vulnerable. Yeah. Um, that was the thing I took away was, okay, I, I can't allow, and, and we all know in our family, I, I have a pretty healthy and robust ego. Um, <laughs> yes. And, uh, you know, that's the thing. And I joke about it that he likes to ride shotgun with me. So I always save a seat for him in the car. Yeah. Um, but truly, that is the thing I'm afraid of, in a way. Um, I, I, when I say fear, you know, it's more of like a, a sensitivity to that, hmm. right? Like, I know I can be arrogant. I know I can be a hotshot. I know that I can take my satisfaction from being the guy up front, mm-hmm. being in charge, or being the accolades. And and what that can do is is make me feel like, okay, this is all dependent on me. And, I'm, and you know what? If you can't get with me, if you can't get behind me, then you know what? You just need to go. Yeah. 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 It's a lot. So It is a lot. <laughs> so we've finished it. I think they're done with the series. They keep saying that and then they come back with another one. Yeah. I, 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 well, what happened was it was meant to be a certain limited series and then some other yeah. things came up that they were able to branch out in. Right. Um, you know, it's interesting so, to listen to. So we're going to start something at the end of every podcast. And that's if you could tell your kids one thing from from the podcast what have you learned from mars hill on this specific one what did you learn what did what did we discuss what great memories do you have why is it important that we talked about this tonight in regards to this is something we want to leave as a legacy for our kids uh yeah i kind of mentioned it earlier uh i learned that my experience was not unique yeah but i also learned that i need to let that experience go Mm. yeah um you know, it, it isn't the defining thing about me. Um, now, one thing I didn't experience that that uh, that maybe some of the people did in that in, in the Mars mm-hmm. Hill situation was a lot of uh, drag through the mud, reputations were ruined, and things like that. I, I didn't experience that. You know, it mm-hmm. was a it was a hurtful, uh, painful time, but at no point did anybody on either side 
you, you know, nobody at the church we had been at uh, made any comments about us or, or you know, character no. comments or tried to yeah. ruin us or anything like that. There was nothing like that. No. But <clears throat> at the same time, there was a part of me that just kind of held on to it. And, you know, that that f- not feeling by myself, but going, you know, at the same time, I can't live in this. And, yeah. Yeah. you know, we, we'll talk about uh, some other things maybe down the road. But last summer was a great time for me to experience kind of that door closing for good in a positive way. When you went to Pittsburgh. Yeah, when I went back. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. You know, the, the, the benefit of that, the thing that meant the most. And it was a time for me to talk to my kids and go, hey, let me help you understand what your dad experienced. Yeah. So I think for me... Um, I ca- I make peace pretty easily, although it took me years to with that whole scenario. I had made a lot of peace with it. <clears throat> I would say a little bit earlier than you did. So listening to this for me was a way for Jessica and Garrett to understand because they were so little when it happened and they in their own way felt shunned. When we just left and, you know, they had a select group of friends that came and said goodbye, but yeah. the rest of them, they never got to see again. No, that's, and, it, and that's true. It was really important for them to hear in my world, for them to hear that there are other people who went through this. Yeah. There were other little Jessicas and other little Garrett's, although Garrett was one, he probably, he yeah, was such he a happy baby. He like was just, that. hey, somebody <laughs> fed me. But there were other little Jessicas out there that also got in a car with their dog and their grandmother who came and gracefully helped us move gracefully. I didn't, I mean, I felt like I did not help that scenario, but they, they were so kind to help us move across the country and literally hopped in a car and just left. Yeah. And like her sweet little neighbor friends, we cried for two hours in the car because we were leaving them and you know, all those things. I mean, I want them to always know it was never our choice, yeah. but that God was taking us somewhere incredible where they have incredible friends now mm-hmm. and they have great people at youth and they have yeah. great, um, their family is closer. Well, was for a little bit. Now everybody seems to be. <laughs> yeah. We're all kind of scattered, but yeah. Um, you know, just the things that I couldn't explain when they yeah. were little, this podcast really helped Jessica and I and Garrett to understand the reality of being in church life. And I do credit every other church we've worked at for not making my kids go through what a what I'm going to call is a typical church life, yeah. right? The kids are expected to serve. The kids are expected to be perfect. The kids are expected to move every two years. Yeah, there's there's none of this like, oh, you're a preacher's kid. You should be this way. No. No. no because... One of my greatest joys right now is that the staff where we work, where Nathan works, finds joy in all those daily life events. Yep. Right? We can laugh at our kids. We celebrate when our kids do great things. And we're honest about the things that our kids do and our failings as parents and you know the right. successes. We're just on, we're just open about it, and each of us knows. Yeah, you know, I did that too. But but it's important for our kids to hear that may not be normal. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And what we were getting away from was the normal probably in a lot of churches, and God was protecting us through that. So. Uh, totally agree. I am very thankful to be where we're at. And I'm thankful that although this came out of horrible hardships, even for Mark Driscoll, I understand 
that he you know led people to a place where eventually it it fell apart and that as a leader is really hard no matter the scenario of who's yeah, involved yeah. he had to start over as well that's a tough spot to be in yeah it, it so, was so i can appreciate that and understand that but what it did do is provide a place for my family to heal even a little further and have those deep discussions we had never had before mm-hmm. and that is that is correct so yeah. Um, you know, we recommend listening to it. It's, it's fascinating. It's interesting, yeah. especially if you want a little bit of history on the evangelical church in America, some things you may not know. And things that start to click and you understand. Yep. You kind of see <laughs> it does pull back the curtain. Yeah. And sometimes that curtain, what's behind it isn't so great. But uh, Right. Well, hey, uh, thanks, guys, for hitching along for this ride. It was a little bit more serious, I think, than uh, the last one, even though the last one had horrific moments wow. that I'm still recovering from. sorry yeah but uh (laughs) yeah you know this thing is going to be sometimes it's going to be a little more serious sometimes it's going to be a little more fun i think next time is going to be a little more fun you think it's going to be more fun you don't think it's going to be serious i think it'll be more fun okay next week's topic is is our what 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 do we decide on our um moments we felt closest yeah the moments we felt closest to our spouse so i think that'll be fun Yes. I think that'll be a good one. Nice can, positive. Can we also do the moments we didn't feel closest? I think that's a whole other episode because <laughs> it's so long. Like, yeah, there's so many. Anytime there's gas involved. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Wow. That we nice. all fart. Yes. According to my son, my dad does, and I should tell the whole school. Yeah, that's yeah, a good story. That's an actual story. So. Yeah. Well... Hey, thanks for hanging with us, and uh, we look forward to getting this out and getting next week's out. And so you guys have a great week, and yeah. in the meantime, we uh, we just hope that uh, you guys as families are, are close and drawing closer together, and God's blessing you guys. And so um, until then, uh, this is Nathan. And this is Kim. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>